morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Vincent from New York asks, we often hear politicians talk about green jobs and that a large number of these protected positions are accompanied by promises of high salaries. Other than labor jobs such as rooftop solar installation and windmills, what are these jobs and where are they? Look, so obviously labor has been a big benefactor of the transition to green, uh, which are higher paying jobs um, and, and terrific. But, you know, the, the job creation in this country, right, has always been done in the private sector. And when you look at, you know, the, the, the most hirings, right, of green jobs, uh, you have a disproportionate amount in the finance industry, which is maybe why the SEC is looking into anything titled ESG right now. Uh, to make sure that they're doing what they say. Uh, but you also, I mean, you, you can't have the tra transition to green energy uh, without, you know, large energy and big oil involved. And, uh, you know, if you look at the major hires and leading the way in some of those transitions, they are the old line energy companies. And so you also have to look at the labor force right now in this country. And we all know that the unemployment rate is extremely low and when you have such a tight labor market, it's tough for people to take the time out to retool uh, to get hired in these other sectors. So, I mean, look, there's a huge demand uh, for green jobs in this country. A lot of them are in the infrastructure uh, space. Um, and it's going to take years for this to develop. But I, I think you have to look at the economy based on what were the old jobs in, right? And in the transition to new. And that will be led uh, by the energy sector um, as well as, you know, the, the finance sector that gets financing uh, for these projects and, um, you know, even, you know, other sectors of finance like accounting that understand the ramifications of these ultra complex tax laws uh, that are trying to, you know, give birth to, to this new industry. So it's going to take some time um, and, uh, you know, but labor force transition is on its way, I would think. Yeah, and the fact that these are higher paying jobs, as you mentioned, is definitely going to be something that causes employees to somewhat gravitate towards these. And, you know, as you were talking, I sort, sort of began to think about all of these car companies basically agreeing to adopt Tesla's charging yeah. stations and charging technology. And the fact that they're doing this because Tesla has the most elaborate grid already built out, right? And we've talked about this a number of times. We don't have the infrastructure grid ready for all of this. So I think that there's so much demand to be put into this area that you're just going to consistently see jobs expand in that field. And it's great because they are higher paying, higher wage, higher salary jobs. Well, that was great. How about we get back to the market? And um, let me ask you this. Why is there a wide divergence in performance between growth and value stocks here today? So I particularly attribute this all the way back to one of these long tails from COVID type of situations where money continues to very violently gravitate toward various sectors at various time periods due to somewhat unsustainable year-over-year -year comparisons. So if you go back to and think about how Wall Street largely considers and views earnings and earnings accelerations, it's the same way that we view inflation, kind of like on a year-over-year -year basis, right? And technology saw such a significant large-scale adoption and revenue acceleration throughout 2020 that as we got into 21 and 2022, 
your year-over-year comparisons are so difficult that it actually, you know, makes other areas of value and the real economy comp a little bit easier because tech accelerated really rapidly. It took much longer for value and anything levered toward the cyclical economy to really cycle up. That did well in 2021 and particularly 2022. So as tech was correcting last year, you look through 2023 and tech kind of has easy comps, particularly in the communications sector as well, because communication and advertising spend fell off a cliff last year. Now you look at it in the construct of this year, the comparisons get a little bit easier and for like tech and some other areas, because everybody's been gravitating back toward the real economy. So you keep having these short term cyclical, almost one year shifts in terms of factor exposure that the market kind of gravitates to beneath the surface based upon where these earnings accelerations are coming from. So you have to be both forwards and backwards thinking. You have to think, okay, what was doing well a year ago in terms of those earnings accelerations? And where is this likely going? Because it largely, that's what's more important than anything else is trying to forecast where these accelerations and earnings trends are going instead of what just looks hot at this very moment. Because as we get into sometime next year, you know, all of this buzz around artificial intelligence, you know, if NVIDIA and Taiwan Semiconductor can't necessarily put these pieces together to hit these guidance and these expectations numbers, you're going to see the same thing happen, but in the opposite direction. And, you know, as a practitioner, right, you know, we look at things in, in different lights and that's, those are great points, Mike, but also, you know, how can you go out and buy the Vanguard dividend index, right? VYM, that's got a yield on it of, you know, three and a half percent, whatever it is, when you're getting guaranteed, you know, U.S. tried and true bonds uh, at, you know, four, four to five and a half percent, depending on which duration you buy, right? So, uh, you know, there was the Tina trade, right? There is no alternative. And, the, and the, you know, that was around for 10 years. That period's over. We can now buy yield safely. And I think you have demand destruction. Why buy dividend stocks when you're getting, again, uh, guaranteed saturation treasuries without that risk? Yeah, I love that you brought it back to that because I, I kind of went a little bit too micro in terms of some of the earnings. No, but those, those are great points and needed points. And, you know, it's something, I guess, that we take into account every day, you know? Yeah, but the macro is really important too and what interest rates are doing because that's going to cause money to gravitate back and forth. One of the benefits that we've seen of the market on a year-to-date and even a little bit of a longer-term basis, and we touched upon this a few weeks, maybe a month ago, is you have these roll, you have rolling sectors of positivity even though you do have negative pockets of the economy at the same time, which you know, it can be good in terms of capturing those, but it also helps the broad market because it holds those up. As long as you have sectors of leadership in certain areas of positivity, it keeps the surface from caving in completely. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to just add one thing there. If you buy dividend stocks and they increase the dividends over the years, you're definitely getting a benefit there that you're not getting with bonds. So, oh, absolutely. You know, Great point, Eventually, Larry. your yield is going to be higher than the bonds if you hold on to the stock long enough. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. Well, thanks, oh, guys. That was risk, though, right? I think that's important to subjugate risk. And look, as yes. we discussed, you know, I think it was last week or the week prior, you know, you, you build out a diversified portfolio and you have to take into account all elements of risk. And you have to have exposure to all of these sectors, you know, growth, value, and bonds. 
Okay, well, thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we'll be back next week. Great, guys. Thanks, guys.